All right, so we're in Acts chapter 11, and let's look at the first couple of verses here. It says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of this circumcision contended with them. So notice we have people uh, who had a problem with the gospel going to the Gentiles. And they had a problem with Peter, you know, eating with the Gentiles, fellowshipping with the Gentiles. And this kind of thing is foreign to us today. You know, we live in America. Uh, you know, we are, we are a very multicultural society. We're used to different races and things. But back then, people kept to themselves quite a bit. And especially when it came to the Jews, they did not like the Gentiles. And so all of a sudden, you've got Gentiles getting saved. The apostles are talking about it, and people are like, hey, we've got a problem here. You know, what were you doing going to the Gentiles? You know, there was a time in the United States when it was a big deal if black people were in a white church. And, you know, they'd come into the church, and all of a sudden, people in the church were like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Now, that's kind of foreign to us today, but it used to be the reality of, you know, even in the, even in the United States. And this type of thing has never is not new racism is not new prejudice is not new it's always been around it always will be around as long as there's sinful man as long as there's a way that we can you know you know divide each other up into teams and colors and things like that we're going to do that it's it's what we do okay you know blue goes against red you know in, in a game we we have different colors to represent the different sports and we uh, go against that team, even amongst Republicans and Democrats, you got, you know, red and blue, even, and so we do it just naturally with skin color too, don't we? And it's not right, but it's a very common thing. And I'm continuing the series of reviving old disputes. And this one's called Jews, Gentiles, and the church, because amazingly enough, even in this New Testament age that we're living in, even in the United States, we still have many Christians that want to put distinctions between Jews and Gentiles and the church. And he said, but there's a great verse in the Bible, and you know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, it says, Give none offense, neither the Jew, the Gentile, nor to the church of God. Therefore, God has these three different groups that are out there. And I've preached whole messages on 1 Corinthians chapter 10 before. I'm not going to re-preach that. But what's funny is people will go to verses where it mentions Jew and Gentile, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And they will use that as proof that we've got all these like different groups of people. But what they fail to do is look at why they mention those things. Because when the apostles would mention Jew and Gentile often, it's because they were dealing with a bad teaching that was going on during that time, and that was specifically that there was a different set of rules for the Jews versus the Gentiles. And so when you have people that think that way, when you have an audience that thinks that way, you kind of have to address that. But because they don't look at context, they don't look at the history of these things, they don't look at what was going on, they often interpret these scriptures wrong. And so we're going to look at just uh, mainly Acts 11 to show what was going on during that time. And I believe that will help us when we see these other passages where it's mentioning Jew and Gentile. And we'll see that a lot of this teaching that's going on today is just really bad teaching where they're just, they're not looking at context. And for example, too, you know, we, you know, we're supposed to believe as Americans that, you know, we're all American, doesn't matter what color you are, right? I mean, isn't, isn't that what all the different groups are saying? 
we want the same rights as everyone else. I mean, in theory, that's the way it's supposed to be. Okay, that's what everybody seems to be looking for, what everybody seems to be demanding. I mean, it's even in some of our founding documents that all men are created equal, but yet we still have classes of people, don't we? Yet this year in election, we're going to hear, you know, this percentage of blacks are planning on voting for, you know, Biden and this percentage of whites. And, and they use these things to pit us against each other and then try to, and then People wonder why we've got all these different classes and groups, and it's just a human, it's a carnal human nature thing to divide this, to make these divisions like that. But understand with God, God is, there is no respect of persons with God. God does not have one set of rules for one group and another set of rules for another people. And the Bible is constantly addressing that. Constantly that is being addressed, but yet, because in a verse, you can see where it says Jew, Gentile church, all of a sudden we're like, we've got these different groups. And if I got up here today and I'm trying to say, hey, as Americans, you know, we should have the law should be the same for all the people. And then I'm like, whites, blacks, you know, Latino, and I'm like, and I'm going through all the different groups. You know, I'm, I'm kind of almost defeating what I'm saying, aren't I? Because now I'm, I'm mentioning those groups. But what am I trying to get across is that we should all be one group, right? We should have one law, you know, for everyone. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's what they're trying to do here. But people ignore that. So when we go and we look at these disputes that they were having back then, it really gives us some insight into other passages that people often get confused. And so 1 Corinthians 10.32, where it says, Jew, Gentile, Church of God, it's one of the main proof texts that people use to you know, say that the Jews are still God's chosen people just because of a bloodline, or they, they have some special standing with God just because of their bloodline. They'll talk about how you know they're separate, distinct from the church, but nowhere in 1 Corinthians 10 is it talking about that at all. It's just talking about things that are offensive to different groups. Because did you know every culture has something that they're offended by? Okay? Because of their culture. But at the end of the day, with God, all the rules are the same. For example, you know, if we're going to reach people in different cultures, we don't want to do things that are offensive, do we? Because we want to reach them with the gospel, so we don't want to distract them with other things that don't matter that are cultural, okay? For example, you know, I personally, I'm not offended by the Confederate flag. But would I go to a black neighborhood you know, wearing a Confederate flag shirt while I'm trying to give them the gospel, that would be very foolish for me to do something like that. Okay, now just because I'm not offended by it doesn't mean they're not going to be offended by it. You know, and I might just be a Southern pride guy and states rights guy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I would never wear something like that, you know, going soul winning in pretty much any neighborhood because I'm going to offend a lot of people, you know, when I go, even how I dress now, we don't have like a dress code really for when we go out soul winning here. But when I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear when I go soul winning, you know, I think a lot about the area I'm going to. For example, if I'm going to a ghetto, I want to look like I'm there for religious reasons because, you know, I don't want anyone to see me as a threat. OK, but if I'm out here, too, you know, a lot of times I might dress down a little because I don't want people to think I'm a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. You know, I'm, and, and you know, you can't ever please everybody with all this stuff, but what am I doing? I'm trying not to be offensive. 
I'm trying not to distract people with things because I want to get the gospel to them. In fact, if I thought it would help, if I was in an area where I thought it would benefit me to wear a mask out soul winning right now, I would do it. If I thought it would benefit me to do that, if it would make people more uh, willing to listen to me and more receptive, I would do that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when I go out soul winning, I'm out promoting Jesus Christ and I don't want to offend people. Okay? Now, if I'm doing it for political reasons, you know, if I'm going out to promote a, a politics, you know, then I'm not wearing it. <laughs> you know, and that's what I do everywhere else. Okay, but when it comes to the gospel, I, w- I would do that because I, you know, at the end of the day, that's the priority for me. That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm, I don't want to be offensive to other groups that are out there because it's a distraction. And so, you know, that's what Paul was talking about when he mentioned the Jew, the Gentile, the church of God. Everybody's got different things that they're offended by. Every culture has different things that they're offended by. And we ought to be sensitive to that whenever we're going out soul winning whenever we're trying to preach the gospel. And so, um, you know, so again, let's look at this dispute that was back in that day, because we need to remember, too, that for 2,000 years, God's focus had been on a specific group of people, wasn't it? It was on Israel. You know, from the time of Abraham till this time, God's focus was on a physical group of people, Israel. So, and, and the early church was predominantly Jewish at the beginning. It was predominantly Jewish people that believed on Christ, but in their minds, they had been the people of God for the last 2,000 years. And so the promises that God had made in the Old Testament, those promises were to Israel, weren't they? That's true. The Messiah was born of Israel, wasn't he? Jesus Christ, he was from the tribe of Judah. He took upon him the seed of Abraham. So the promises, the kingdom... Everything in the minds of Israel, it belonged to them. It was theirs in their minds. And so now many have realized that the way to receive the promises that God had given to Israel were through faith in Jesus Christ. Many Jews figure that out, that, hey, that these promises that God gave to Abraham, if we're going to be able to receive those promises, we've got to have faith in Christ. And they believed on Christ and they got saved and they now are assured the promises of that God had given to, to their fathers. But in their minds, it's still mainly them. Okay? And it's, it's just them. In their minds. That's what's going on in that time. But then, all of a sudden, here we've got Gentiles who were not a part of them. Who were their enemies? who never were seeking after righteousness. They never did those Old Testament sacrifices. They never kept any of those feasts. They have these pagan Gentiles that worship idols, and all of a sudden, these people are hearing the preaching about Jesus Christ, and they're getting saved and receiving the Holy Ghost, the same as the Jews. This was a shock to them. This was something that blew them away. They, I'm telling you, a lot of these Jews were as shocked as some IFB Baptists when they find out people who aren't Baptists are saved. They don't know what to do with that. You know, I, and so this was a major, major shock to them. And so, you know, people disputed. People had questions. And let's, so let's look at what they said. So in verse 3, it says, so this is after they are, you know, contending with Peter. So saying, thou wentest 
in to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. So these guys are definitely wrong in this situation, but you know what they were doing? They were carrying over some of their old religion. As, as Jews, they were to separate themselves from the Gentiles, and so they're, they're kind of, they've got some holdovers because there's some things they don't understand yet. There's some things that have not been revealed yet, and so they're wrong in what they're saying here, but I can see why they were concerned. I can see why it shocked them a little bit. It's kind of like what a lot of Baptists do when they see a Baptist being friendly with somebody who's not a Baptist. You know, hey, what's wrong with you here? You know, they, they get all bent out of shape. Isn't it interesting how nothing ever changes? Isn't it amazing? And it says, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descend, as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the which, when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Now think about Peter here. He's still so set in his old Jewish ways and his old Jewish customs. God tells him to kill and eat an animal that was against their diet that they had in the Old Testament. And he told God, no. Hey, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. That's who he was as a Jew. And then God, to try to teach him a lesson, he said, what I've cleansed, call not thou common. And you know, I love this, folks. He was, that was, he's talking about Cornelius there. Okay. This is because Cornelius was a Gentile. Let me tell you something. Don't call saved people unsaved. Don't do that. What God hath cleansed, call not thou common. Say, well, I'm not really sure if they're saved. Well, then shut up. I mean, shut up. If you don't know if they're saved, keep your mind. You know, you're not allowed to. You're allowed to not have an opinion on some things. Do you know that? I know we live in the world of Facebook and social media. And we all have a platform now. And so we all got to give our opinion of everything. But you know what? You don't have to. And, you know, you can't help thinking something sometimes. But, you know, you're going to think what you think. But you are allowed to shut up about it. And I'm going to tell you right now, you better watch it. Call and save people unsaved. There's not enough like us. You know, he, he's got the wrong name on his religion. He's not a Baptist. You know, he's not a whatever. But you know what? If they're saved, you better watch it. You know, let God straighten them out. Let God get their title right. Let God take care of that stuff. But anyway, so look what it says in verse 10. And it was done three times and all were drawn up to heaven again into heaven. And I love how it happened three times with Peter. You know, what is it with three, you know, Jesus, remember how he said to Peter three times, loves on me more than these? I think it's just because Peter was stubborn. You know, and I think it's almost like God is trying to remind Peter. And I'm going to give you this vision, not once, twice, but three times, just like I did before. And remember how Peter got frustrated when Jesus the third time asked him that. I think it's just because Peter was stubborn. It's amazing how long it takes God to get through to us sometimes on things that should be really simple. This is something that should have been simple. I mean, how much clearer 
is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. How much clearer can you get than that? But you know what? Sometimes they're kind of slow. They were kind of slow, even in the early church. And so God shows us to Peter three times. And so in verse 11, and behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. And the spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on him as on us at the beginning. Man, I, I just I just want to chase a bunch of rabbits here, but I, I got to chase this one rabbit. I love verse 14. He said, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Kind of like these people who don't think soul winning works. Because what do we do? We go and we tell them words. We tell them what the Bible says and they believe it. And they get saved. Isn't that what we believe happens? But you got other people, well, I, I, you know, let's see if they show up at church. You know, let's see if they change their life. Let's see if they do this. Let's see if they do that. Hey, I think we just do like the Bible says, and let's tell them words. Tell them the words of God. Tell them what the Bible says, and they get saved. And that's what happened with Cornelius. I mean, it, 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 the Bible doesn't get any clearer. But so notice, in verse 15, he says, and I began to, as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, Gentiles, as on us at the beginning. The same thing that happened to us, the Jews on the day of Pentecost, when Jews from all over the world are gathered together, the same thing that God did with us, filling us with the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues that they did during that time, God did it with them, the Gentiles. Now, why did God do this miracle? Why did God do this sign with these Gentiles? like he did with the Jews on Pentecost, because God was trying to show them that, you know what, they're just like you. I'm going to save the Gentiles just like I saved you. I'm not going to put any difference between the Gentiles as the Jews. That's what God was doing. And so he's highlighting how God did the same thing, because God's trying to teach them something. In verse 16, and remembered I the, then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then is God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What was I that I could withstand God? So again, the like gift as he did unto us. What is the whole point of this dispute? Guys are having a problem. We got Jews and Gentiles together. Peter gets up. He's settling the dispute saying God did the same thing with the Gentiles as he did for the Jews. He's doing the same thing. It's the light gift. They have exactly what we have. And this, you know, so this went against Peter's own prejudices, but he had learned. You know, he had learned his lesson about going against God's plan. By this point, he's, he's learned this. And so in verse 18, and when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And I love this too because the Calvinists use this verse to prove that God gives you repentance. That when a person gets saved, it's because they repented of their sins. And if you repented of your sins, it's because God gave you repentance. You weren't planning on repentance of, repenting of your sins. You didn't choose to repent of your sins. But one day, the Holy Spirit came and regenerated you and God made you repent of your sins 
and you got saved. Well, first off, that's not what the Bible teaches about salvation. It is about believing. But why did he say God granted repentance? What he's saying here is God is allowing the Gentiles to be saved just like us. God allows repentance. We all have sinned. We all deserve to die and go to hell because we're sinners. But God has not you know, taken the opportunity to justly just throw us into hell. You know what he has done? He has granted us repentance. He is allowing, he allows us to ask for forgiveness and be saved. He allows us to believe on him so he can cleanse us and save us. That's a blessing. There were times in the Bible where God pronounced judgments where he gave no place for repentance. He, it was, this is coming and there's nothing you can do about it. But you know what? When it comes to, for the wages of sin is death, something has been done. It was done by Jesus Christ. And we can escape that penalty by believing on him. And so that's what that's teaching there, too. Again, this is another verse. You know, if you just take a verse by itself and you fail to look at context, you can come up with any false doctrine you want, even Calvinism. And, and they use they use this verse. So the church as a whole, they accepted this. We see they were joyful. But, you know, there's no doubt not everyone liked it. Okay? It's just like, you know, in any church setting, in any church, you know, whenever a decision is made, a church can be united and they can all officially agree. But a lot of times there's people that are just kind of going along. They don't want to rock the boat. But in, in the inside, they didn't really agree with that decision. They didn't really agree with what the church decided to do. And, I, and there's no doubt that even back then, that while the church as a whole agreed, you know what, Gentiles can get saved too, just like us. There were some that didn't like that. There were some that were like, no, this salvation, these promises, these inheritance, these are for us, for Israel. It's not for the Gentiles. And so what did they do later on? We see where they're bringing in this burden saying, okay, fine. You Gentiles can be saved too, but you must be circumcised and you must keep the law of Moses. We talked about that, I think it was last week. And so that kind of thing was going on. So look what it says in verse 10, or 19, I'm sorry. It says, and as they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. So up to this point, the scattered disciples had only been going to the Jews which is not what Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, go to every creature, but that's what they had been doing. When they went out, when they heard every creature, they're just thinking, well, Jews in it everywhere in the world. But no, God meant every creature. God meant Gentiles too. It's kind of, they had the same mentality as the Calvinists too, who whenever the Bible says, for God so loved the world, well, it doesn't mean everybody in the world, it just means the elect. Kind of like the Jews. Well, I go to the, all, all the world, but that's just to the Jews in all the world. Isn't it the same mentality as the Calvinists? But you know what? Both were wrong. The Jews are wrong. The Calvinists are wrong. No, it actually is everybody. So verse 20, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were coming to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. Barnabas, the son of consolation, Barnabas, the guy who reached out and got the disciples to accept Paul who was a Jew but a very wicked sinner. 
Barnabas, the same guy who you know didn't give up on John Mark when he messed up, that guy, this man who was full of the Holy Ghost, who had a love for God, when he went and he saw a bunch of Gentiles getting saved, you know what? It did his heart good. He wasn't like a lot of the Jews that were like, the you know, Christian Jews that were just like, I, I don't like these people getting saved. You know, I've heard of churches, too. I mean, I, I know of churches today in the north that won't allow people of certain races to join their church. Fundamental Baptist, I, I, I know, I, I mean, I'm a fundamental Baptist pastor, Don Green, very well known, he's never baptized a black man. And he talks about that like, that's great. And I, I think that's awful. You know, I, I think that's terrible. It blows my mind that people still even think this way. But at the same time, it doesn't because people thought that way back then. It's just some people don't let this Bible straighten them out. But, you know, the thing is, there's a lot of churches, they start getting nervous if too many people of certain colors start coming to that church. Well, it's okay if there's a few. But if too many of them start coming, they get bent out of shape. You know what? That's a sorry attitude. We ought to be like Barnabas. And we ought to just be glad when anyone gets saved. We don't care if they're from the poor community. We don't care if they look different than us. We just want to see people saved. That was the heart of Barnabas. He didn't care. He just saw souls getting saved. It did his heart good, and he was glad. And people and people were added to the church. And so, and the Bible said the reason he felt this way, okay, it was because he was a good man, because he was full of the Holy Ghost. So this was a pivotal moment here in church history because up to this point, they had mainly they had only been going to the Jews and they were being persecuted everywhere they went for the most part. But now they're going to everyone and they start seeing greater success. And so this success they had at first, it caused them to have problems with the Jews. But then the success they started having with the Gentiles, it eventually started causing them to have problems everywhere. Because before, the Romans weren't really bothering them because the, the trouble was pretty much with the Jews. And, you know, the Jews, they were already different than the Romans anyway, so they didn't really care about that so much. But, boy, when Christianity started going all over the place and shaking things up, remember, you know, when the greatest Diana of the Ephesians uh, thing broke out where people were chanting that for hours? Then it started getting guys like Paul in trouble everywhere because they were, they were shaking things up. And it was a good thing. But we need to remember, though, that, you know, the dispute that was in that day. And then we need to go. And so let's think about the dispute that was going on in that day. And then let's look back at a few of these passages that people get mixed up on. And because we'll, when we understand this, we'll we'll see how people are taking these things completely out of context. See, because people are still saying the Jews, just because of a bloodline, have a special standing with God. That goes against everything that is taught in the New Testament. We need to remember that while Peter settled this matter, while Peter laid out the truth in Acts 11, not everybody got on board. This continued to be a problem for a lot of people. Paul constantly is addressing this in his epistles. We see in Romans 3, 9, he says, what then? Are we better than they? Are we as religious Jews better than the Greeks? Are we better than the Gentiles? I mean, yeah, we're not doing these abominations and things like that he talked about in Romans 1, but we all sin and come short of the glory of God. We talked about this last week. In the eyes of a holy God, we're no different. In the eyes of a holy God, folks, we today, sitting in this church, are no better 
than people sitting in a bar on a Sunday afternoon. In the eyes of a holy God, we are no different. The difference is Jesus Christ. The difference is our faith. None of those things. And it's, and so especially a bloodline is not going to matter because we ought to know as Americans too that, you know, your bloodline does not determine your outcome in life, does it? There, we see success stories from every color and we see failure stories from every color. We ought to know this better than anybody as Americans. But notice what Paul said in Romans 9, um, in, in chapter 9, verse 4. He says, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Talking about that salvation, this was something that was made for the Israelites. The salvation we have, it was made for them. The promises were made for them. It was given to them. Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted for the seed. And he's saying that because, again, he's dealing with people right here, and we see it in the beginning of the book of Romans, people are thinking there's different rules for different groups. Okay, fine. Gentiles are getting saved too. But we're still special as Jewish Christians. You know, we're supposed to, you know, there's still something for us because we are of Israel. And Paul's trying to teach, no. Because at the end of the day, they are not all Israel that are of Israel. There's people that are physically of Israel, but they don't have faith. Therefore, they're not Israel according to God. The promises are not going to go to them, but they are going to go to those who are of faith. Jump down to verse 23 of Romans 9. He says, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he hath prepared aforetime, prepared for unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Okay, And again, over and over again, in Romans, he's saying Jews and Gentiles. But that's because he's trying to deal with a false idea that these people had. They're thinking there's differences He's trying to teach there is no difference. That's what Paul's teaching. As he saith also in Osi, I will call them my people which were not my people, and her beloved which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Paul is going back to the book of Hosea to prove to them that it was always God's plan to save people from all over the world. It was always God's plan. This, we're not going against the scriptures here. This is what the Bible promised. This is what God always said. He's, um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. And I like how he said, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, it's all one. Whether we be bond or free, in other words, your class in society doesn't matter either. Back then, you had those who were free, but you had those who were not free. You had those that were servants, that were, that were owned by people. You had, that was a system that they had back then. They had bond and free. And 
Paul's trying, he, when he's mentioning those things, he's not saying, hey, God has bond people and God has free people. If we're, if, I mean, if the dispensations were going to be consistent, they would have to say, well, you know, there's the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God, but then there's also the bond Jew and the bond Gentile and the bond church. No, it mentions those things because that is what the earthly system had back then. But he was always bringing these things up to show that how with God, none of that matters. With God, it doesn't matter if you're bond or free. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. You all get saved the same way. Hey, on earth, there's different roles for the different sexes. Okay, A female is a mother. A female is a wife. A man is a father. A man is a husband. Okay? And, there's di- and there's different roles. There's different functions and things we do. There's often different functions in society. But in the kingdom of God, when it comes to salvation, that doesn't matter. A woman is just as saved as a man. And you know what? A woman gets saved exactly the same way that a man does. So... All these things that when it's mentioning these things, it's not trying to create division. You know what it was trying to do? It was trying to show there is none. But everybody ignores the context. They ignore what was going on back then. And I could go on and on with scriptures. We'll look at a couple more here real quick. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Here we've got another dispute here with Peter and Paul. You know, Peter, he got caught up in some stuff that he shouldn't. Because again, not everybody was getting on board at this stuff. And, you know, we're constantly going to be fighting false doctrine. We'd be right one day and be wrong another day if we let things creep in. But it says, when Peter was coming to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And other Jews dissembled likewise with them, inasmuch that Barnabas was carried also carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that he walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature, and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What was going on here is Peter was acting one way when he's with the Jews and another way with the Gentiles. And you know what he was doing when he acted that way? Is he was sending a bad message. He was sending a message that there are differences. He's sending a message because, you know, it was fine for the Jews if they want to practice their dietary laws still. That's fine, as long as they're not doing it for salvation. But they had no right to impose those things on the Jews, or on on the Gentiles. And this is the message I've got coming. But we see the same kind of thing today, even in the Baptist world, where there are things that we do culturally as American IFB Baptists that are not sinful, okay? And, And we have no right to demand those things on Christians in other countries and other cultures. These things are cultural. They're not necessarily biblical. The way I dress as a pastor is 100% cultural. And I'll admit it. Okay? The way we run our service in many ways, it's cultural. Some people in different cultures do things a little different. Sometimes I wish we had a little more of the Southern culture up here. 
Y'all are a little too quiet in the preaching. You know, I kind of like when folks get a little bit excited. And I don't know, maybe I need to bring some Southerners up here and have them preach to you. Maybe some of it will rub off on us a little bit, but maybe part of it's me, you know, because I'm too Northern. I don't preach in a way, you know, that gets people wanting to run the aisles. And I'm not saying I want to go that far. But at the same time, you know, we can't go so far as to condemn that. I heard a preacher just the other day saying that, how, you know, old time preaching, old time shouting, you know, it's for every culture. Well, I don't know about that. You know, I, there's guys down south in the Bible Belt. You're not a real preacher if you don't have a southern accent. And then what, what, what irritates me is I'll see preachers from other cultures, even other races, and then they try to imitate that. And I'm sorry, if you're Filipino and I see you preaching like a camp meeting preacher in the south, I think you're a fraud. And I've seen that before. It, and, you know, if you're a Filipino, I don't care if you preach like a Filipino. I'm okay with that. You know, if you're if you're black and you preach like a black preacher, I don't have a problem with that. If if that's who you are, if that's your culture, but you know, it would be very off-putting if I did that, wouldn't it? And you know, wouldn't we be wouldn't we be upset if a black preacher got up and he was just like, you know, you know, and just started ripping on white people and how we felt how we worship and how you know we don't clap enough and we don't move enough and dance enough and it's just like it's just not who we are. It's it's not who we are. There's going to be differences, and you know the Jews they had a lot of things that were culture. They weren't bad. It was okay for them to do it, but they had no right trying to put these things on the Gentiles, and that's exactly what they tried doing. And Peter, when he's when he started doing this stuff and going along, he was sending that message, and that that's a bad message, and we ought to you know be respectful of those who maybe have. Cultural practices that are different. Their music might be a little different. How they do things are going to be a little different than us. As long as the message is the same, then, you know, we ought to love them. And, you know, be and there, there's a lot more there in Galatians we can cover. We don't have time. But in Romans chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also the Gentile. And people will say, Jew first, Gentile. Proof again. He's showing how judgment is going to come the same to a Jew as well as a Gentile. Why does he even have to mention that? Because those people thought there were differences. He's trying to teach that there's not. This is what gets ignored. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. I, I listened to a dispensational preacher one time. Get up and use... Those verse, those two verses is proof that there's a difference between Jew and Gentile, ignoring the fact that Paul is bringing that up because there was a belief that there was a difference. And then he debunks that in the next verse by saying, for there is no respect of persons with God. And, but yet, that, that gets ignored. And so, many people today who are wrong on the subject, you know, of the Jews, Gentiles, and the church, okay, they often say that they know that right now, you know, in Christ, Jew and Gentile doesn't matter. But someday after the rapture, it's going to go to the Jew again. But here's the thing. If that were the case, then why were the Jews so bothered by Gentiles being saved? What was it that even upset them about it? If they still got their special things that the Gentiles don't get, why were they bothered by that? Why was it even a problem to them? That doesn't even make any sense. 
You know, why were they upset when they found out God put no difference between them? Okay, if there was still some special blessing that they were going to get that the Gentiles wouldn't get. Here's why they were upset. They were upset because they understood the significance of Peter's revelation. The, the older brother was not happy to see the prodigal come home. Just like Jesus basically prophesied in that story of the prodigal son. Some who were claiming to be saved by grace, they didn't really believe in salvation by grace. Otherwise, they would have rejoiced at the salvation of the Gentiles because they would have realized, you know what, as a Jew, man, I failed in being a Jew. I never kept that law. And you know what? Seeing Gentiles saved, it would bring, it should have brought them comfort that, hey, if God saved them, he definitely saved me. And you know what? It brings me comfort when I hear testimonies of people who came from a wicked life and got saved. I was encouraged by Brother Brian's testimony this morning. You know, because it's like, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't listen to him and think, you know what? If, if he did that, there's no way he's saved. He gets to go to the same heaven I get to go to. I never did that stuff. You know, I've never been thrown in the slammer. You know, I, I, I didn't get upset. That didn't bother me. I didn't get upset by that. I'm, I'm thankful because you know what that tells me? Hey, if God saved him, he could definitely save me too. Isn't that, isn't that what it does to a person whose heart's right? A person who's truly saved? But that's not what they did. So they were upset because they did understand the significance. They just didn't like that message. And so we need to accept the fact that there are two kinds Saved and lost. That's all there is to it. Saved and lost. And there is no third brother. It's always, in all the pictures in the Bible too, it's always the two brothers. And there is no third brother in all these shadows and in parables. It's always two. And that's the way we, when we see people out there, you know what we do? We go out, when we knock on their door, we don't look at their color. We don't take into consideration the type of area we're in or the class of people that they are. You know what we do? We ask them if they know for sure if they're saved, and we hope to hear them say that they're trust, putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if we hear something other than Jesus Christ coming from their mouth, you know what we do? We give them the gospel, the same one for everybody, hoping they will receive Jesus Christ and be saved just like us. And so we can have our cultural differences. And, you know, when you're in different cultures, you might need to operate a little bit different. But as long as the message is the same, the same we should preach the same message if we're preaching in Africa, if we're preaching in China, if we're preaching in Israel, as we do here, because it's the same salvation for everyone. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray, dear God, this will be a help. Lord, help us uh, not to get caught up in a lot of these uh, disputes that are going on today about just the different groups and different classes of people. Help us to remember, Lord, that you made us all of one blood. And there are only those who are of faith and those who are not. And I pray you'll help us to spread our faith, Lord. Help us not to worry so much about spreading our culture, Lord, but help us to spread our faith uh, to all the world so more people can be saved. In your name we pray. Amen.